Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Rear Admiral Danielle Barrett rocks the boat with her new book on leadership skills honed during 30 years serving the U.S. Navy. Then, Mr. Irrelevant Grant Stewart, the last pick in the NFL draft, talks football and the challenges ahead as he tries to make the team with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode. And good evening, Angels family, Angels listeners all over Southern California, from L.A. to Orange County to the Inland Empire. I'm Bruce Cook, and it is Sunday night live on Angels Radio. Our conversation tonight is going to take some interesting turns. We're going to begin meeting an amazing woman. She is a retired rear admiral from the navy i'm going to tell you about her in a minute but i thought i would start by recapping some military news that captured our attention this week general mark milley appeared before congress representing the joint chiefs of staff talking about the very very hot topic of critical race theory and its teaching at west point it has been in the news it's been controversial West Point is teaching cadets classes in critical race theory, uh, similar to what are being taught in universities now. And there's a lot of pushback about it. Primarily, the pushback comes from those that object to the fact that the tone of some of these classes or these, uh, for lack of a better word, symposiums or studies, tends to take on a very, very negative point of view regarding quote-unquote white privilege. Watching General Milley talk and take questions from Congress, the cameras, the cameras focused on very conservative members of, of the caucus shaking their heads in disgust. Meanwhile, the general defended the position of teaching critical race theory by stating and I'm paraphrasing his, his statement, that he has read Tolstoy and it doesn't make him a communist. He's read Lenin. He's read Mao Zedong. It doesn't make him a Chinese communist. The point being, education means hearing all points of view, learning from others, and making a critical, quote-unquote, decision based on your own experience and your own knowledge and your own life uh, experience and and what you've what you've experienced. Excuse me for repeating that experience word so many times. But here's the deal. How can we come together on this issue in the military? And I'd like to start by introducing our guest uh, this evening, Rear Admiral Barrett, by stating that what I was thinking while this conversation was going on on the news channel was that our military today, our military today, especially the Army and a predominance of the cadets at our U.S. Academy at West Point, 
are made up of men and women of color. The country has changed. Our military service has changed. Just the fact that there is a large number of women, not necessarily of color, but of all stripes, have taken a major role in our, our military. And our guest today is case in point. Admiral Barrett is a 30-year veteran of the U.S. Navy. She has served in Afghanistan, in Iraq. She has served in all sorts of capacities from behind the scenes to the front lines. She has written a book, and the book has a great title. It's called Rock the Boat, Embrace Change, Encourage Innovation, and Be a Successful Leader. Danielle Barrett, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks, Mr. Cook. You can call me Bruce. May I call you Danielle? Yeah, actually, that'd be great, Bruce. You can actually call me. My, my name's a little unusual. It's, it's actually Danelle. It's Danelle. Yeah, my brothers used to call me Danelle, so that's kind of a good way to remember it. <laughs> well, I'll try not to do that. <laughs> but I like Danelle, and I'll get that straight. Share with me your story in a few words. Why the Navy? What put you in the Navy in the first place? And 30-year career, that's a big lifetime commitment. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, well, I'll first address, you know, kind of why I went in. Um, you know, I wanted to do some sort of service, and I looked into things like the Peace Corps and other things, but I really wanted to serve the country in a way that uh, I felt was meaningful. And so the Navy, to me, seemed like a good way to do it. You know, when I was a kid, I had, you know, I, we didn't have a lot of exposure where I grew up in Buffalo, New York, to the Navy. Um, there's not a lot of Navy there, right? And so we had two museum ships, though, that were down in the harbor, the USS Little Rock and the USS Sullivan. And I remember doing like an overnight trip with some scouting group or something where you slept overnight on the ship. And I thought, well, that's really fun, you know. And so I, and when I was looking at services later on, you know, getting towards college age, I, I remembered that. And, you know, the Navy and the Navy, <clears throat> the Navy's mission and being by the ocean stuff just intrigued me. But uh, more importantly, you know, uh, I just wanted to serve. And, you know, when you go in, nobody goes in saying, geez, I'm going to do 30 years, right? Um, you usually get in, you're like, yeah, I'll do four years and get out, or I'll do it till I don't like it anymore. Well, I said, well, I'm going to do it till I'm just ready to go. And, you know, it, and, and 30 years goes by in a heartbeat, and it was a privilege and an honor, and I just I loved it all, every minute. So you enlisted in the Navy. You didn't go through the elite Navy Academy and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I didn't go through the Academy, but I did go to ROTC. Um, and But I didn't have a scholarship. It's interesting. Um, I, I'm kind of pragmatic in that, um, you know, to get a scholarship, you had to take calculus and physics. And I had started at Boston University, and um, I was I had a little bit of a scholarship from the university, and I was going to the Ross unit and, and asking if I could be considered for a scholarship there. And they said, "Well, you know, you got to take calculus and physics." And I was like, "You know, I'm like I'm like mathematical antimatter, Bruce. I am awful at math, right? No public math for me, right?" And so I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a problem because if I take those two classes, I'm gonna I may lose my university scholarship, and then I may not even get a Ross scholarship, so I could be in trouble, right?" So I said to the unit to the Ross unit, I said, "Hey, if I take all your classes, but I pay for my own school." will you let me, you know, get a commission at the end of the four years with the other Rossi students? And they said they would. And so um, I worked as a nanny for my room and board, and I managed a restaurant about 20 hours, 30 hours a week, and then I took 21 credit hours a semester until I graduated. And so you can always find a way to do stuff. You know, you just have to be tenacious. And, uh, um, and so anyway, that's kind of that's how that happened. Well, I'd say that's an amazing example because – 
tenacity not only solved that scholarship problem, but it began a career that took you to the very top. And I, I must say that it's surprising to me because I was under the impression that guys and gals in the Navy had to be really good at math. You proved that wrong. I, I love to, I take great pride in saying I, I have uh, several master's degrees and I've been able to avoid calculus my whole life. And it's, there's <laughs> other ways to learn critical thinking skills, you know. And I often joke, Bruce, I say, you know, when I got in the Navy, I mean, I was a history major. When I got in the Navy, I couldn't program my VCR back in the day, and now I can program routers. So it's amazing what the Navy will teach you from a technical aspect. And I've become very technical over the years, and I, I love the technical stuff. But, again, um, there's, there's different ways to excel in STEM environments. We need to encourage young kids to look for the ways that are right for them and how to excel, and it's not a cookie cutter, and it's not a one approach for all, you know what I mean? Did you have the ambition of rising to the top when you started, or is that was that an evolution? Oh, gosh, I was just trying not to get my tongue stuck in the keyboard, I mean, you know, for years. <laughs> I mean, that's, you don't, you know, I think realistically, you know, to make Admiral in the Navy is really a striking gold, and it's lightning, and it's luck, much of it is luck, and people looking out for you and snow plowing obstacles, and I mean, you just don't even know all the people that help you along the way to get where you get. You so what, get there by what What? were your qualities? I mean, that's in your book, I know, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what do you think made that work for you? Because that is one thing I do know. Reaching the top, reaching that admiral status is a, uh, a needle in a haystack. It just, as you said, it requires everything, including luck, and it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, right. I mean, I think... So, you know, the day I got picked, the wind could have blown uh, the, a different way for maybe 15, 20 other officers that day who were probably in the same kind of competitive category as me, right? Um, I, it was just my lucky day. But but assuming that, like, there were probably 10 or 15 of us that were really qualified in, in our jobs and in our leadership experiences and things like that to make us eligible to be considered for that. And so I would say along the way, the kind of traits that leadership traits that I exhibited that maybe helped me were you know, I'd always tried to be innovative and, and challenge the status quo. And I was very, I'm very tenacious um, and results oriented. So like I dig in like a tick. If I think something's right, I'm going to dig in until we're done, you know, um, until it's accomplished. And I think that's really important because you can be what I call the good idea fairy, you know, tossing out good ideas like a, a, a zoo, zoo trainer to monkeys tossing out bananas or something. But what you really want is the good idea fairy who also makes it a reality. You know, and people used to ask me, they say, hey, well, like, who inspires you, right? And it's not John Paul Jones or any of the big naval heroes. Yeah, those guys are great and all. But um, to me, Walt Disney has always been my inspiration since I've been a kid. And, you know, anybody who can look at Swampland in Florida and see flying elephants with parents and children on them having a great time and then makes that a reality, now that's inspiring to me, right? <laughs> so I want to be like that. That's what I want to be. Or Elon Musk sending his car up with the little robot in it, you know, for fun. That, that, that's kind of, you know, those things are what inspire me. Well, that's pretty impressive, but it also raises a question, and as a devil's advocate, I have to ask, is military willing to accept that kind of ingenuity? I I don't know. You you seem to be the exception rather than the rule. I don't think they want too many people that are proud of flying elephants and children. Yeah, I you know, you are spot on about that, but I will tell you, let's think about... Billy Mitchell and naval aviation, you know, flying a plane off a little piece of real estate like an aircraft carrier. Who thinks of that and makes it a reality? I mean, that's, that was Navy innovation and, you know, submarines and Rickover, you know. So, And I'm not comparing myself to those guys. I'm just saying 
the Navy has had some really brilliant innovators over the years, um, even Grace Hopper with computers, you know, and things like that. So we've been really lucky. So there are pockets. Now, the one thing I will tell you is the, the one thing I hated the most was fighting not the, you know, the forces of evil of other nations or bad nation states. It was the forces of evil within institutional resistance and institutional inertia, the evil twins, right? Well, and that's so a big that, deal. That's yeah. a constant battle. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. That's something that people are talking about a lot on all different on all different levels from issues as personal as uh, sexual harassment to uh, racial uh, problems like I brought up at the beginning of the show. Let me get to that. What do you right. think? What do you think about? Did you happen to see Mark Milley's speech? I Re sure did. And I really I really appreciate that he said that. Um, because I've always been one to uh, really want to encourage as much diversity, as much inclusion of as much of our society as we can. That includes, you know, race and gender and, um, you know, even, you know, um, sexual orientation, sexual, uh, I mean, um, uh, uh, even the way you think of things, religion, everything. Because, you know, you get a group of people together like that and they have different life experiences and different perspectives and they make the conversation so much richer. And they bring ideas that, you know, individually, if we just surround ourselves with the like needs, you're never going to get. And you're just going to have, you're never going to have true kind of innovation and, and transformation and, and, and um, a place where everybody feels welcome to contribute that way. And, and I always felt that, you know, the Navy was that way. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. I mean, when I first got in, there was a lot of sexual harassment. And you had to put up with stuff that I would never have put up with at the end of my career. You know what I mean? Um, and not because of rank, just because the Navy had wisely changed as society had changed as well, you know. Um, but uh, I would tell you that it, it's a place that you, you, you've got to always keep looking out for and not allowing those things to slip by, you know. So so say, for example, uh, I'll give you just a couple examples real quick, like a gender issue. It used to be, you know, when people would walk into a room, they would say, you know, and if an admiral was coming in, they'd say, gentlemen, the admiral, and everybody would stand up. And no one, if there's other women in the room, no one would say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, right? It was just assumed that, hey, gentlemen, that's okay. So after a while, though, I started saying, you know, they'd say gentlemen, and I'd say, and ladies. And then they go, oh, and ladies, the admiral, right? And so little subtle reminders like that, because most of the time people don't do it intentionally. It's just they're, it's off their radar. They're just not thinking right. And so you gently correct them. And I always used to try to correct them with humor, like if they'd say something kind of, uh, Neanderthalish, I'd say, hey, is this your first day with opposable thumbs? And everybody would laugh, and, you know, we'd kind of carry on from there. And then they kind of realize, oh, gosh, you know, maybe I said something that was a little insensitive there, you know. So, and then they don't do it again. Or if they do do it again, um, then, frankly, you shank them <laughs> publicly. And you don't, you don't let them get away with it because then you've got a character flaw. That's a whole different issue. Boy, it sure is. The modern military, as far as I understand and far as I've read, is almost – an ideal experimental ground of studying racial equity in this country because it is a coming together of really, really diverse groups, not only racially but economically, socially, culturally, yeah, of me. men and women who must get together and work together in a common pursuit. And I think it works. Tell me if it does or doesn't in your experience. And how could yeah, that how could that translate to what's going on in our country overall? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the words common pursuit. So one of the things that we constantly go back to in the Navy is 
regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your economic standpoint, regardless of your gender, your sexual orientation, your um, race, you are here to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That is the oath that we swear. And that oath is, you know, that is just, it takes a higher level of religion for us, if you will, you know what I mean? That is what we do, and that is what we circle the wagons around, and that is what we are all focused on. And, yeah, I get it in the day-to-day grind of the job. You're not thinking of that. But but when you reaffirm your oath, when you say your oath, when you do those things, it really reaffirms that, that you have that common objective that no matter what everybody's background is, you're all in the fight for the same thing, and you're all in the fight with each other for that same thing. So you have each other's backs. And I think that society can do the same thing, but we have to circle around what is important to us. And as we saw on January 6th, what is important to this nation is our democracy, is that constitution. Mm-hmm. And supporting and defending that, whether you're in the military or you're a civilian, um, that is what matters. Because, you know, we live in such a wonderful country with all its flaws and with all its problems, right? It is, it is the best country on earth. That's why everybody wants to come here, honestly. You know, they, they, people want to come here because of the freedoms we have. And we can't ever take those freedoms for granted. And so it's everybody should be circling the wagon around about how do we ensure our democracy persists in the way that it's intended to. Well put. We're going to take a break, Danelle. I want to come back and talk more about the issues of religion in the military and sexuality in the military and so much more. So please stay with me. It's Bruce Cook, and this is The Conversation tonight on Angels Radio. We will be right back. Angels Radio, AM 830. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. Hi, Mark Ubiza here with Jose Moda. If you're a big fan of trucks and want to check out the full line of new Chevy Silverados, or if you want to see the all-new 2021 Chevrolet Corvette, then you have to stop by Simpson Chevrolet in Irvine and Garden Grove, or visit online anytime at SimpsonGM.com. Simpson Chevrolet, big enough to deal, small enough to care, and you can't beat that. Chevrolet, find new roads. Panera favorites are hot and ready to serve for dinner. Taste our creamy mac and cheese served in a crispy bread bowl. Or the classic bacon turkey bravo featuring our signature sauce. How about our new mouth-watering chipotle chicken and bacon flatbread pizza? These and other favorites are waiting for you. Order dinner tonight for delivery or pickup. Only at Panera. Availability and pricing may vary. You haven't refinanced your home loan yet? What are you waiting for? Don't miss the boat. Sail into the future with a refi from Rate Plus. 
The tides could be turning soon, which means interest rates may go up. Get a 15-year fixed at just 1.75% rate, 2.068% APR, with no third-party fees. That's right, a 15-year fixed at just 1.75% rate, 2.068% APR. And we'll even pay your title, escrow, and appraisal fees. Get a low rate, plus lower your payment and save hundreds or even thousands of dollars per month. Make the smart choice. Call Rate Plus now at 800-381-7730. That's 800-381-7730. 800-381-7730. Or visit RatePlus.com. Rate Plus is an equal housing lender. Terms and conditions apply. Not all applicants will qualify. Rate subject to change. Rate Plus Incorporated is licensed under the California Financing Law by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. License number 60 dbo 35845 NMLS number 123094923 only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Angels Radio. AM830. Sometimes I just can't take it. Sometimes I just can't take it. And, it and we are back. And we can take it. We always take it here on Angels Radio. I'm Bruce Cook, and it's the conversation tonight, Sunday night, Angels Radio Live. My guest this evening, U.S. retired Navy Rear Admiral Danelle Barrett. Before the break, we were talking about the confluence of all these types of people in the military coming together in common purpose. And I want to take that one step further before we change gears here with Danelle and say... In the past, military has been predominantly white, male, Christian. Today, every race and multiple religions, even Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, you name it, women, trans, not transgender, what was I thinking? Maybe transgender. Are there transgender in the military now, or is that going too far, Danelle? I mean, Danelle, we'll get to that in a minute. How does all this work? And what about the critics that keep saying, how can it work with all of these divergent lifestyles coming together? Yeah, I, it does work. And I think it works better when all those people come together because that is indicative, that is reflective of our nation. And we want our military to be reflective of our nation and provide opportunities for all of our citizens to feel comfortable serving, right? And to feel the call to service and to be happy to take that um, obligation and sacrifice and, and things on. And we want people from all backgrounds to come and bring their perspectives. And I think the people who are critics of that, honestly, are people who served either a long time ago, uh, served and have a, a skewed perception of what could be, right? Um, you know, and and sometimes they feel scared. I mean, they feel scared because maybe they were in the majority before and they feel like they're no longer going to have the same opportunities. And that's just not true. The opportunities are the same for everyone. Um, and and it, it, that's the way it should be. And so I think that they need to get over their fear, and they can get over their fear by getting to know people of different genders and different um, races and different religions and different sexual orientations. Because you know what? When it comes down to it, they have the same core values um, across in the military. 
again, supporting, defending the Constitution, you know, um, integrity, uh, trust, those kind of core values don't know race, religion, sexual orientation, boundaries. Um, those are the core values that we support. In, in introducing the subject question to you a minute ago, I frankly slipped and, and used the word transgender, and I say slipped because I don't really know much about what's going on with that in our military service. However, it is a hot-button issue. I have, I have read and I've heard the arguments that the government and uh, the benefit status in military is on the verge or perhaps is paying for transgender surgery for, uh, for soldiers uh, in, in regular service. Is that correct? I will be honest with you. I'm not um, an expert on that policy and what's happened. I know there, that they had started down that road prior to uh, the Trump administration, and then uh, during that administration, there were some things that were reversed or uh, changed, and I don't remember if that was by executive order or what, but um, I will say that um, I think the Biden administration is relooking that, but again, I'm not an expert on that. We do have transgender service personnel. Um, I just don't know what the current status of uh, changes in the rules are on that. Apologize. I think that. I I think I brought this up mainly because the world has changed so much. And this is a subject that is so uncomfortable for so many people that don't understand the dynamics. And frankly, it's understandable that they don't understand. It is new territory. It is foreign territory. As someone that has served and seen these changes over decades, you seem very comfortable that things are very good and very strong and that everybody fits in even extreme cases such as the one I've just described? Well, what I would say is, I mean, I'm not Pollyanna about it. I mean, we have pockets of people in the military who are bad apples, just like out in society, right? And you root them out like a cancer when you find them, right? So you know, there are people who are racist and there are people who are sexist and stuff, and, and you get rid of them when you find them. You don't let those people take hold and you don't let their values um, uh dilute or taint what the rest of the military supports, what 99% of everybody else supports. And on the transgender issue, for example, you know, people I hear all the time, well, it's bad for, you know, military cohesiveness and it's bad for unit cohesiveness and you're never going to have the, the same level of, you know, my, my brother's got my back or my sister's got my back or whatever. I mean, I think that's BS. I mean, I've served in those places. I've served in Iraq and my Afghanistan time was on, actually on an aircraft carrier supporting close combat support up. Uh, um, combat support operations in, in on the ground, but um, I, I will tell you that you know being on a ship, you know you're very confined and you you've got a roommate or whatever. I, I wouldn't care if my roommate was transgender. I care that my roommate is doing her, their mission and that they're they're just as committed to their mission as I am, and they're committed to my safety and my health just as I'm committed to theirs. And just you know, as capable, just as capable. That's exactly right. And so. I think the people who do that don't really talk to people who are actually in the military in those jobs because most of the people in the military, you know, don't care about that. I mean, that's, that's not what they care about. They care about the mission. Did I lose you, Danette? Are you there? No, no, oh. no, no. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. I thought so I lost I, you. What I'm saying is most, yeah, most people in the military don't care about all that stuff. They care about the mission. As long as you care about the mission and you're pulling your weight and doing your job and, and everybody's got each other's back, they don't. I mean, most most people nowadays don't care about that. Let's talk about your book. We're almost out of our special time together tonight. Rock the boat. Why did you write it? What are the lessons, in a nutshell, that are important based on all we've talked about tonight? Share with us. Yeah, sure. Thanks for letting me talk a minute about it. 
Um, yeah, so over the years, you know, you as a leader, you, as you grow up, you you are asked to talk to groups about mentoring topics, and some can be very uncomfortable, you know what I mean, um, or just talk to groups about leadership. And all I've noticed over the years, over 30 years, the same questions come up, you know, you know, what do I do if my boss is a jerk? You know, how do I balance home life? You know, I always feel like I'm failing at the parent thing if I'm doing good at the military thing. You know, how do I make sure that I'm, I'm uh, you know, pr- doing planning for my career in the right way and taking care of others to make sure they're more successful than me, for example? You know, how am I a good mentor? And so, I thought, well, I'll just jot, jot some of these ideas down and put them out, and maybe people can use them. And I, I interdisperse a lot of sea stories in their little little stories because I've always found that the leadership lesson is, yeah, that's good, but people will forget that. But, boy, they'll remember some cringeworthy story you tell about how you failed at something so that they, won't, they don't have to go through that, right? So I've got a bunch of stories in there about things that I've done that probably people wouldn't want to repeat, but they'll certainly learn a lesson from. You talk about having three positives at all time in the book. What does that mean? Well, you know, it's a frame of mind. You know, you can you, you ever get around the negative Nellies, Bruce? You know, the ones I'm talking about. They'll, like, spend more time trying to tell you no. They're like the 007 of no, you know. And it, when they would, if they would just try to be positive and find the right way forward in a, in a uh, positive way, um, they'd be done and, and they'd, be, they'd be on their way. You know, positive, being positive is a force multiplier, as Colin Powell says, right? So I think that out of any situation you have, don't dwell on the negative. Don't beat yourself up about it. Be a little forgiving of yourself. But think about, okay, what are the three positives out of that that I can take away? Because out of any situation, you can do that, but you really have to train your brain to think positive. What does failing with grace mean? Well, as a leader, you know, you're going to fail. You're going to have things that you do that are um, big failures and little failures, obviously, and hopefully they're recoverable failures, and hopefully they're not as a result of character flaw, but a, a, a result of a mistake that you made with the best intentions and with the best information you had. And you can't, again, beat yourself up about that, and you have to be vulnerable in your leadership enough to be able to say, yeah, hey, I made a mistake, I screwed that up, and I'm willing to take my lumps for it and be accountable for it, first of all, and then learn from it, second of all, and maybe teach a lesson to somebody else. And if I can, you know, um, you know, there's several stories in the book that kind of give examples of how I've done that specifically where, you know, just embarrassing failures, honestly, but um, sometimes it's just a small thing um, that can happen. Um, I'll give you an example. When I was uh, at U.S. Cyber Command, I was in charge of current operations so that any offensive or defensive cyber operations was in my wheelhouse. And we would have a morning brief every morning, and there would be about uh, 100 people on DTC video teleconference and then about 100 people in the room. And my first month on the job there was like drinking out of a fire hose because I had never worked with the National Security Agency before, and it was a very close relationship. And so they would also brief at our morning brief, and we would brief what was going on, and people would brief me what was going on and things like that. And one of the things they talk about are operations that are going on. And they always have crazy names like, you know, Operation Stinky Monkey or something. You know what I mean? And so when the operation comes up, though, it's usually associated to a bad actor, say Russia or China or something like that. And so I remember I was getting briefed about something, and I didn't, I didn't know which actor, bad actor that was. I said to the briefer, I said, hey, which country is that? And so they said, oh, ma'am, that's, you know, whatever country it was. And then immediately after that, right on the VTC, someone said, hey, she doesn't know what that is. What else doesn't she know? There you and go. Boy, it was it was embarrassing, right? Bruce? Whoa, yeah. Yeah. It was like a split second. I had a split second to think, you know, am I going to go Game of Thrones and lop this guy's head off, right? Or am I going to make this a teaching moment about how you, in leadership you you don't know everything and you have to acknowledge your vulnerability and that it's the team that helps you. And I said, okay, I'm I'm going to lop their head off. <laughs> no, I said I'm going to. I said, I'm going to make it a teaching moment. So I said, hey, look, I'm new to this job. There's a whole ton of stuff I don't know. 
And, you know, I said, I'm going to rely on you and the team to help me. And I said, oh, by the way, you got a hot mic, you know, and everybody started laughing and that kind of diffused it. I always found that if you can give a little humor, that'll diffuse a bad situation. But the point was people remembered that and they came up to me and like, hey, man, I appreciated you acknowledged that you didn't know something. I'm like, hey, there's a ton of stuff I don't know, right? So you guys are going to help me be smarter. But you have to be able to, you have to be big enough and confident enough in yourself to, to acknowledge that kind of thing. Perfect way to end our conversation tonight. Danelle Barrett, retired U.S. Navy Rear Admiral. It's been an honor to have you on. Listeners, check out Rock Your Rock the Boat, Embrace Change, Encourage Innovation, and Be a Successful Leader. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. Thanks, Bruce. It was an honor to be on. I really appreciate it. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. it's Bruce Cook Conversation, and it's time for a break. We are coming back and changing subjects. We are going to meet Mr. Irrelevant 2021. The low man pick on the NFL draft and what's happening here in Orange County. So don't go away. Angels Radio, AM830. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Hi, I'm Darren Sutton, Angels TV broadcast announcer. As we approach the All-Star break, the 4th of July holiday is an important stretch of games. And the 4th of July is an important time for the Irvine Auto Center as well. Now you can get special holiday payment and finance programs from the top 15 import, domestic, luxury, and exotic brands. All in one place, the Irvine Auto Center. So turn your search into drive with a 5 meets the 405 at Lake Forest Drive. 
We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. So we're using Babbel. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Angels Radio. AM 830. Everybody get up. Everybody get up, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce Cook, The Conversation, live on Angels Radio tonight, Sunday. We're switching gears on The Conversation, and we're going to talk football in our second half hour, and we're going to meet this amazing gal named Melanie Fitch, who has taken over the family reins from her dad, the famous Paul Salata, former NFL player and businessman here in Southern California, and their project called Irrelevant Week. And it is that weekend now. It is that week. The big banquet takes place tomorrow night, Monday night, at the Cannery in Newport Beach. It will be hosted by restaurateur Ron Salisbury. And it's all designed to welcome the low man on the NFL draft. His name is Grant Stewart. He will be playing for Houston in the fall. And Melanie and team are showing him the greatest time possible for any guy, football or not. Melanie, welcome to the radio. Hi, Bruce. So good to have you on. What do you do? Can I hear you? Yes, can you hear me now? A little better. Speak up. Okay. I've never been a quiet one, so I'll try and continue. First of all, before we get started, and I think we're going to meet Grant soon when we get him on the line, uh, talk to me about Irrelevant Week, a little bit of history why did your dad start it? What's the purpose? Where is it going? It's been going for so many years, and it's such a big part of the NFL, even though it is this wonderful little giving back segment. It is It is nice. Um, my dad started it 46 years ago because he thought it was a good um, honoring of the underdog, and he thought that everybody drafted should be considered relevant, and the last guy drafted it's irrelevant that he's last, and so he's not good on marketing and naming things, so he called the last guy Mr. Irrelevant, and this is 46 years ago. We brought him out to Newport Beach and wanted to treat him just like he was the first guy drafted, and it, um, the community has embraced it. Now it's 46 years later, and we raise money for charities, and it's fun, but it, it does have purpose. It sure does. Melanie, your phone is really bad and you're and you're really muffled. See if you can hold it straight or put it down so that we can hear you better cuz I don't want listeners to miss anything you're saying. If if I put it on speaker is that clearer? It's that much work? better. That's better. Okay. Is that I'll good for like you? This, okay. Talk about the okay. underdog concept. Where did your dad Where did that come from? He was not an underdog. He was a a champion. <laughs> well, he he came from a very, very poor, poor family, and so he uh, he had six brothers, and uh, his dad died when he was young, and so his mom raised the seven boys. So he, he football, he played at USC, and then he played for the 49ers and uh, Pittsburgh 
Steelers and the Baltimore Colts. So he valued football because he felt that it helped him to achieve. Um, but he kind of started out as an underdog and then um, became a very proficient receiver in the teams that he played for. So he, he kind of was an underdog, but then was able to do well and, and you know, raise a family and, and move forward with his help um, from his income in the NFL. So he recognizes that people, that, that football can be really good for uh, a guy who's coming from nothing. Um, and so he thinks that they all, he thought they should all be honored, and, and that's what we're still doing. Um, Grant, I don't know if you have him yet, but he's, uh, we really hope he makes the team. He's kind of a zero to hero guy. We do have him, I believe. Grant, are you on? Yes, sir. I'm locked in. Thank you, Grant, for joining us tonight. How do you feel being Mr. Irrelevant? Uh, to be honest, man, I'm just super grateful. Um, my whole life, you know, I've wanted to, to, be selected in the NFL draft, and uh, you know I didn't really care what pick it was uh, going into the draft. You know, and, and towards the end of the draft, you know uh, that thought of, of being undrafted kept creeping up. And you know, I had made a, a few deals, and I had made a deal in free agency um, because I didn't think I was going to get drafted at that point. I didn't think the Bucks needed another linebacker, um, and so you know they they called my name and uh, they called my phone, and I talked to you know the Fitch family and. Uh, I was super excited about it, you know. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. What about your chances of of succeeding on the team at Houston? What are, how do you feel about that? I, the we know as as fans of the game that it's it's not so easy. It's not so easy to rise. But apparently, you have a very very strong background and a lot of support. Right. So you said you you, you talked about uh, succeeding at Houston. You said. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, you know, growing up, um, you know, I, I did grow up in a, in a tough situation. Uh, you know, my, my dad uh, was, was in prison for a good stint of, of my youth. And when he was out of prison, he was just kind of absent because I had a, uh, a mother who was a drug addict, still is a drug addict. So, you know, the football, in a sense, was really uh, all I had at one point. Um, and it really just uh, was my ability to kind of just zone out and, and focus on something. And I was accepted, you know. I was accepted uh, by my family. My family would get their stuff together and come to all the games. And, uh, you know, that, that always kind of fueled me on the field. It kind of became my identity uh, when I was really young. And, uh, you know, going into college and then going into Houston and selecting Houston uh, had a lot to do with my siblings, you know. And uh, I wanted to – to still be in contact with them, still be to be a in-person example uh, towards them and a positive role model. Um, so, you know that that's uh, that's what happened for me at Houston. And you know, the first couple of years, I was, you know, uh, I was a last-second scholarship guy. I only got offered uh, because you know a lot of their guys decommitted once Tom Herman left and went to the University of Texas. Uh, so you know, I knew I was fifth, fifth, sixth choice by the team, and I didn't care. I just I knew it was you know my my hometown university. So I uh, went in there, you know, I got to work and, um, you know, I, I was a special teams guy. Uh, I was kind of a hothead, you know, I was kind of unorganized off the field. I didn't have my stuff together. And then, uh, you know, 2019, uh, gave my life to Christ and started playing a lot more, you know, found my wife shortly after that and, uh, kind of just took off, you know, playing, playing a sport and uh, finally, uh, played linebacker my senior year and, and got first team all conference. And, 
uh, got invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl and, you know, did my best every step of the way. So I'm really just trying to keep that same attitude, that same work ethic, and that same motivation uh, going into the NFL. And so now it's off to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It sounds like you've got your act together, Brent. <laughs> it's a great, I didn't say I said Brent. I meant Grant. It really sounds like you got your act together, Melanie. What do you know about this? Yeah. What do you know about this Grant Stewart that you've met this week? How do you size him? <laughs> How do you size him up? Is he going to make it? I think he's going to make it. Well, we we don't tell him this, but we have been talking to the coaches, and so they you know say don't tell him, but they he's. He's shown really great promise in his practices. They're pleased with him. Um, they're thinking about special teams. He's aggressive. Um, I hope he's not listening because. <laughs> but uh, you know, he can hear every to, word. Yeah. They're, well, uh, uh, you know, a secret told is a secret out, right? So, That's right. But but he's he's been doing very well with, in practice according to their review. Um, they're looking at him for special teams. Um, his his aggressiveness, you know, kind of let him out of the cage and just go mow everybody down. Go go to that ball. So absolutely, um, they're they're pleased with him. We we really want him to make the team because we want him to be relevant. But uh, I haven't tried. I haven't tried. He hasn't chased me and tried to tackle me yet. I'm I'm smarter than that. But uh, as far as the team's concerned, he's so far he's been catching their eye, and they um, are watching him closely. And as as uh, Grant said, this is a dream, a lifetime dream. It's it's an opportunity, a door open, even as a seventh-round, 259th overall pick. I don't think he cares about that, do you? Do you, Grant? No, not at all. Not at all, no, sir. Good for you. What's your first... Uh, What's your first goal when you when you get there? Um, to, to to become important to the organization, you know, to to matter and have an impact in whatever role that I play, just to to play a role that is important and to play it well, you know, whatever that role may be. How do you how do you expect that you can create that impact? Is there some philosophy that you're planning on using? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just um, you know, I've got I've got to do a, a few practices already you know i've met uh, the entire team um and, you know it's just really figuring it out figuring out where i am best needed that's uh, that's what i think is the, the the first thing that i can do to actually put that into action is figuring out where am i needed where can i provide value and then i just hone in on that and make sure that you know whenever it's time to select okay who's who's coming who's getting on the bus this week who's getting on the plane this week uh well we got to have this guy because he does this you know whatever it is um, you know, just, just doing my absolute best. I feel like if I do my absolute best, uh, I have, you know, a really good chance. So, Yes, indeed you do. Melanie and, and Grant, we're going to take a break, uh, but i got a lot more to ask both of you, so don't leave. I know, you're, <laughs> I know you're in the middle of a Mexican dinner celebration at El Matador in Newport Beach, but those, they're going to have to reheat the tortillas, okay? That, that's okay. All right, don't the go cheese, away. The cheese will melt. It'll be fine. Melted cheese is the best. We'll be right back. <laughs> we will be right back. Don't go away. Angels Radio. AME 30. As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, 
Hoag's NeuroSpine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash signhealth. DQ presents, picture this. Picture the Girl Scout Thin Mints Blizzard. You see two iconic treats blending together in a mesmerizing swirl of pieces of Thin Mints cookies, Cool Mint, and world-famous DQ Soft Serve. You smile the biggest smile you've ever smiled. It's a double smile because your two favorites, DQ and Girl Scout Thin Mints, are together in one delicious treat. And the only reason you stop smiling is so you can start eating. The Girl Scout Thin Mints Blizzard, exclusively at DQ. Get it delivered at DQ.com. DQ. Happy tastes good. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the calls would stop, the threats would stop. It was easy like, uh... One, two, three. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts, who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing the first ever daily fantasy sports book, Stat Hero. Stat Hero puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be. One-on-one. Go to stathero.com slash radio. Sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. Go to stathero.com slash radio. Stathero.com slash radio. Restrictions apply. See stathero.com for details. Angels Radio. AMA 30. That's a little bit of the halftime music that our player Grant Stewart will be facing every game, assuming he's on that field with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this fall. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the Bruce Cook Conversation live on Angels Radio. We're talking football. We're talking to Mr. Irrelevant here in Newport Beach in Orange County, hosted by Melanie Fitch and the Fitz fa- and the Fitz and Salada families and all of their supporters that created Irrelevant Week some 40-plus years ago. And it's really a, a pleasure to meet Grant here on radio and introduce him to Southern California. Grant, I understand that you were married recently, or at least I think you said that to me in the in our first segment. What's it like? Yes, what is it like being married and starting a career or another phase of your career? A lot of pressure. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, talking to some of my, you know, rookie teammates and stuff like that, I'm, I'm in a quite different situation than a lot of guys. You know, I'm uh, – it is a little bit of pressure, you know, because, you know, I'm moving her. Uh, we're moving at least one of my younger siblings who we are, you know, uh, pretty much adopting. Uh, and so, you know, there's – uh, sustainability that, you know, that, that is going to come from me and my performance on the field, you know, making sure that, you know, I can provide for them and pretty much making them come with me before we even are a hundred percent, you know, on the team, you know, so there is a little bit that little bit of legs to it, you know, a little bit uh, that I, you know, make sure, make sure I have to accomplish in order to provide uh, for, for both my wife and, you know, my dependents under. I think that's inspiring. And I hope that story gets out. Football fans need to hear this kind of kind of story and kind of uh, strength that you're exhibiting. Uh, it's really important, Melanie. You must really like this kind of a story. I mean, your 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 irrelevant week has always been about helping others, and it's about charity. You support a charity, many charities, but one I know, serving people in need here in Orange County, also known as Spin. What do you say? How do you say to what do you say to encourage Grant? Well, he just in the time that I've been with him, he he seems, you know, his head's on straight and he has his goals defined. So, I you know I wish him well. I I think he's got a lot on his plate, and I think it would be very nice if he made the team because he does have um, siblings to support and 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 programs to follow. But um, we've been having fun with him, and he seems like a neat guy. I, I wish them all the best. Hello, I appreciate it. it, it it's a it's a hard you're, you got a hard road to hoe though. <laughs> I think it's yes, it's truly an attribute that you're supporting. You know your family doing best for your sibling. It's it's very honorable. Thank Gr- you, Grant. What do you what do you think about? how the NFL has become such a behemoth of entertainment and business in America and around the world today. You've been in football your whole life at various different stages, and now you're at the top, the big time, the pressure, as we just talked about, especially given your situation and your family to support. How does it feel being surrounded by these amazing experiences, these huge stadiums and these competitive games that live or die and millions of dollars change hands and so many issues involved. Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, you know, I've, I've gone through, uh, rookie mini camp, OTAs, mandatory mini camp. So I've gotten my, my little dose of, of everything, but I don't think I'll be able to, to, to give that question, uh, you know, a proper answer until, you know, I've, I've, you know, gone through at least part of the season. Because, um, I mean, to, to right now it just kind of feels the same. You know, I mean, I've always really just taken everything super seriously. So, for me, it's not uh, any any different. You know, I'm a very high-intensity guy, whether I'm going through a walkthrough, whether I'm studying my playbook, I'm taking notes uh, during every meeting that takes place. I've already been doing things like that. So, for me, it's, it's, it's very similar, you know. But uh, I, think, I think the only – the biggest – when you – to, to, to what you talked about, the biggest NFL kind of moment that I felt, I guess, was, you know, one, just playing against Tom Brady, but two, um, you know, just being in the in the, in a room with my coach and him pretty much telling us, like, you know, only, like, not all of you guys are, are going to be here. You know, there's, there's, we, there's, we got 15 rookies right now. He's like, you know, 
all 15 of you guys, 100% chance, are not going to be here. You know, so uh, that that's something that's that's uh, it's it, there's a competitive aspect to it. You know, and it's it's uh, there's more it's more important than that because you know in college, even if you're second, third string, eighth string, you got a scholarship. You know, you're going to be there next year. You you're got four yeah, you're years. still there. You're not you're not on the chopping block. And you're right. not you're not yeah. playing you're not playing against Tom Brady. You'll be playing with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about in, in practice when I went against him in practice. Uh, that was probably my like, wow, like I'm really here, you know. Got it. Listen, the other the other thing I'd like you to share with our radio audience in the in a couple of minutes that we have left. What does the team do for you when you're drafted in terms of moving you and setting you up? How much support do you have? Um, you know, they've, uh, they suggested realtors and stuff like that. I know that they uh, reimburse us as far as, like, moving your car from one place to another. They reimburse you for gas. Um, and I did get some, some stuff in the mail about relocation services via NFLPA. Uh, but I haven't dug into that just because I've been super busy. But I'm, I know that we get some sort of discount on moving services and stuff like that. So definitely going to try to utilize everything I can to get over there to Tampa. So they, they do help you. They do take care of you. They don't just let you fly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, it, yeah, they, it's not the golden ticket. Are, it's not a golden yeah, ticket. Right, right, it, it's a. Right, yeah. It's a bronze ticket. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There are resources there for you to use, though, for sure. Melanie, wrap us up. Tell us what's happening at Irrelevant Week Banquet tomorrow night. What do you expect to happen? What's going to charity? The whole. The whole yeah. enchilada. The whole wrap up. The whole wrap up. Tomorrow, well, tomorrow night wraps up his week. He's been outrigger canoeing with the Newport Aquatic Center. He's been surfing. He's been sailing with the Rich Fleece. He's been having a good time, I think. He seems like he is. But tomorrow night is his all-star Lozman banquet. It's at the Cannery Restaurant. Yes, Ron Salisbury is graciously hosting Irrelevant Week. There tomorrow at 6 o'clock cocktails. 7 o'clock starts the program with... John Ireland, who's on ESPN, the voice of the Lakers, is going to be our MC. We're going to have some fun with Grant, present the Lozman Trophy to him, try and see if he's a buccaneer or not, see what kind of pirate he is. And uh, the money is being raised for the RM Piles Boys Camp. We're going to get a new van for them to transport their uh, inner city boys up to camp in the Sequoias, what will be neat. And also, like you said, Finn is the other beneficiary of a relevant week, which we help. Uh, they help families who are living in uh, cars and and get them into transitional housing. Finn has great programs, so we're excited to raise money for both those groups. Sounds like a sounds like a big winner, and I'm really proud to have you on the radio, Melanie Fitch. And I'm really proud to meet you, Grant. I. I I can hear it in your voice. Success awaits you, and you will not be one of those chopped people. You're going to make it. On that note, that I great? appreciate you. That'd be great. It's going to happen. Go in and go in and get those melted cheese tacos, and I'll let you there guys you let you guys it's back to dinner. It. I'll let you go back to dinner, and I thank you both for for coming on radio in Los Angeles and Orange County tonight. That's it, people. That's it, Angels family, Angels fans, Angels radio listeners tonight. I'm Bruce Cook. And this has been an honor and a pleasure, as it is every Sunday night. I will not be here next Sunday night, but I'll be back on July 11th through the rest of the month. And I hope you come back and share that hour of conversation with me. We close by saying good luck, stay safe, be happy, and good night.
You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. <laughs>